So like one of the shocking things about like, you know, I found about you is just like how well established you are and you're young, man. Like how old are you? I'm 20. Yeah. And you're doing this pretty much full time, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, between I got like, a full time student um, and then I shoot full time all the racing stuff. And then I shoot um, my varsity teams at my college. So I do hockey, basketball and volleyball. Um, so yeah, pr shooting pretty much full time and then kind of just classes and, and studying on top of that. Yeah, that's incredibly impressive. And I mean, I, if I think about photographers that I've been around, of you know, works with or just worked near each other, like I me, mean, we were around each other at Lime Rock quite a bit. Like, yeah, if I think of hardworking photographers, you're one of the people that pop into my mind like appreciate just, it just, thank you yeah just just watching you at lime rock it's just like you know i'm taking my time because i'm kind of there just as like a fun assignment for who i was working for and i'm just like mm -hmm. oh there goes jack he's just like running to his next spot and then he's going to the next one i'm just like damn dude he's he's moving like you you're booking it well i think like my thing it's like that i was a racing fan before i was a photographer like I went to my first NASCAR race um, with Michigan, I want to say 2008. So I would have been six. Um, and it was the August race. And it was just, it, it got me. It, I was addicted. I was instantly hooked. And I was already into cars. Like I think, like when I was in kindergarten, I watched cars most days. I had the DVD box set that came with the big blow up Lightning McQueen chair. I would sit in that chair, watch <laughs> cars like that movie was my life. And by the time I could really even I can remember being alive. And even before that, my parents said that I would stand at the window and it's like, look at cars, like, like just street cars going by. Like they've always captivated me. Everything about them doesn't even matter what it was. Race car, street car doesn't matter. So I think like it's been rooted in me since at a very, very young age that like cars mean something to me. Right. And so when I shoot, it's not like, okay, this is what I have to do. And this is the bare minimum. It's like, I really want to do that. I want that shot. I want that shot. I want that shot for myself. So it's like, that's what pushes me to kind of work hard on a weekend just because it's for personal gain. Like if I walk away from a weekend and I, and I made the sausage, but I didn't get the shot that I really wanted, then was it really a success? Like it's personal stuff like that, that pushes me to work kind of a little bit harder each weekend. No, that's great. And that's like this job from like my experience, like you have to be passionate about it because it can be very laborious. Like, oh yeah. It like it, it really helps to be passionate, that's for sure. And you can see on every race weekend there's somebody there who's either lost that passion or is just there because they're there. And that's kind of my my only goal in my career is to not end up like that. Because like right now, I get this so that feeling when I was six going into Michigan, driving through the gates, I get that feeling every time I go into a track, still, and I'm 20. And if that feeling fades, then I'll be sad because I, I love it. And, and even if even any terrible day at the track is a great day in my books, because let's say you go out and you shoot practice 
and the photos are terrible. Okay, you tried. I mean, it's not like, obviously, you can't just be like, oh, I tried. It's fine. You need to improve. And, and probably they're not as bad as you think. I think as creatives, we all do that thing where we're like, oh, we're terrible. That's it. I'm giving up. I'm never doing this again. But in reality, they're, they're still fine. And most people are never going to notice. So not beating yourself up. But even after a bad session, if you have time just to go out, walk the paddock, talk to your friends, all that kind of stuff, it's just, it's still a great day, even if you maybe don't execute the way you wanted to. But then you have the flip side of that where you can come off of a practice or a qualifying session and you're like, these are the best photos I've ever taken. And you're super excited about it, but it's still a great day at the track. You know, it's hard to have a bad day at the track, obviously barring anything ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, I shoot some track days for um, like SCCA. I get contracted out by the guy that does them. Mm -hmm. And like, those are like some of the more boring days, but like, I'll sit there and be like, sometimes I'll be like, it's kind of boring, but then I'm like, you idiot. Like, you would still rather be doing this than any other job. Yeah, like, it's like what you would rather work at Best Buy or uh, like a, I don't know, an office job. No, you're going to want to like, and that's no hate on office jobs or Best Buy. But if you're a racing person, those probably aren't really cutting it for you. Right. No. And, like, I and mean, the reason, like, I don't shoot a whole lot of like small track days or anything like that, but I have sometimes just because I've been, I've just been there. And they're amazing because especially down where you live at Lime Rock, so much racing history there, right? So somebody you're talking to at, at a at like a small NASA or SCCA track day is like raced IMSA 20 years ago or like or crewed on a cup team, like crazy stuff like that. They all have crazy stories. And and I that's what I love about smaller grassroots events, too, is you never know who you're going to meet. And it's also like accessible too, you know, you see mm -hmm. like if I, you know, you go shoot an IMSA race because I mean, we all were fans growing up and I think at some point we all be like, yeah, I want to drive one day and, you know. Yeah, for sure. And, and do I want to necessarily drive now? I mean, no, I mean, yes, but no, but maybe a little bit. Yes. And, you know, yeah. I go shoot an IMSA race and, you know, it's like, yeah, that'll never happen. But you go to like shoot a track day or something like you know, maybe one day that is a possibility. For you sure. Know, and accessible. And that crosses everyone's mind, I think. It still crosses my mind every day. And I'm kind of actively looking to try to get into something just because it looks like so much fun. And I don't know, like, I'll never get to like a Trans Am car or like anything like that. But if I can run like a cart or an outlaw cart or even like a um, TQ midget or something like that, no, that's no hate on TQ midgets. I'm sure they're an absolute handful, but they're kind of semi-affordable. So that, or even like a spec racer, I was looking at spec racers the other day. You can get like a full ready to go season package for like 20, 22 grand. Like you can't really complain too much about that. You ever look into but, formula V? Yeah. Oh, but those things are death traps, man. Those things are terrifying. They scare me. So I, I any racket because they're so cheap, right? Like you, you yeah. roll up on Craigslist and it's like, oh, eight hundred bucks Formula P, and you're like, uh, one wreck, and it's just, it just sounds scary. Open cockpit cars scare me, man. But and open sure. wheel open cockpit cars, that's yeah. like a, 
like I, I got brought on to be the photographer for Northeast Formula V on their last event last year. I'm going to be doing that mm. this year. And they raced nice. alongside like the SECA club racing. Yeah. And, you know, they're talking to me like the guy that runs it, Jeff Adams, he's like, you know, they're, they're affordable. You should try it out one day. I'm sitting there looking down at the thing. I'm like, it's just like, it's so small. You're like, like, I see why they're affordable now. Right. Yeah, and like that—that's not like a van. I like that, like them, like they're cool cars. But oh, they're awesome! They look like a blast to drive. I'm just too much of a wuss, I guess. They look scary. They look, I mean, to be honest, driving any race car looks scary. I never see a guy drive or um, a person driving a race car, and I'm not like that. Looks terrifying. Like Trans Am, turn one at uh, what track were we at? Any really turn one at any track just looks mm. horrifying, especially if there's a nice front stretch. It's just, yeah, it, it looks scary. And I'm not like, a, I'm not a great driver. I get in the sim this past weekend at Sebring, their uh, sim lab was there and they had like a full four axis crazy sim. And I, I almost didn't complete a lap at Sebring in a TA2 car. It was, it's really hard. It's way harder when you take like, that sim was worth over a hundred thousand dollars. I'm pretty sure. But like I've spent time on like two, $3,000 sims running like MX five cup at Lime Rock. And that's the most fun ever. Cause you're not going to really wreck it. It's really fun. I mean, you spin out a couple of times, but you get to, you get the hang of things and then you get like, I got in one of these sims last year and I ran TA two at Coda. I didn't make it past turn three. It's, it's super hard. And that's probably more my, lack of driving talent but these sims are very real and if you've never driven a race car it feels super foreign do you ever watch mx5 cup in real life yes it's amazing i watched it at uh road america last year oh my god unreal unreal it's like if it's on, like I don't follow it actively, you know, especially mm-hmm. since, you know, a lot of the weekends of the summer I'm away shooting, you know, something grassroots or whatever. But like if yeah. it's on, man, that is one of the most entertaining series on the planet to watch. It it might be the most entertaining. I watch a lot of racing. It's probably one of my faults. Uh, I'll be out at the bar with my friends or whatever, and I'll be like... You know, World of Outlaws is on right now. Anyone <laughs> want to get my laptop out when we could watch some World of Outlaws or like anything, right? But and the tough part is um, like nobody else cares. No, nobody else cares. I'll even I'll have it on in class. Like, um, I have flow, so all the dirt stuff, um, like <clears throat> Lucas Oil sprint, um, uh, Lucas Oil late models, all the sprint car stuff, all the midget stuff, and flow. I mean, you have flow, right? I do. Yeah, I do. For There's the something bowl. on like yeah. every day. Like yeah, it's crazy much. and you're just kind of not forced to watch it, but you're not, not going to watch it. Right. Yeah, I, it's, it's been like, very it's addicting getting flow. I remember fanschoice.tv and I used to like when I was you know younger and had more time, like in high school and stuff, I'd sit there and mm-hmm. watch like Tucson Speedway's weekly event every Sunday right? if I wasn't yeah. at the track and it's right. And I mean, I'm in it, it, oh, there you, you go. go. You're good. And it's, it's so cool. That we live in an age that we can, do that and covid even you know made that more accessible that pretty much every short track now has a way you can either pay right? or for free watch it online it's crazy it's it's wild because you go to these short tracks we have 
like so the nascar scene up in canada is really different from kind of anywhere else in the world i guess it, it could be kind of like the mexican series or the euro series but even then they're very different like they're their own car like they kind of look like a, like a nascar stock car but they kind of look like their own thing and they are their own thing but we run a lot of so two street races two street courses a bunch of road courses and then um some ovals right and the ovals are all super small but you can stream some of the tracks have like live streams and there's a, a streaming service. I mean, not really streaming service, but like a production company out here called GeForce TV. And they do like a lot of the streaming, all the dirt track stuff. Like, so Oshweekin Speedway is from where I grew up was about half an hour. Um, and they race, cause they actually bring in like pretty big race nights. They do Pinty's races there. So the Canadian NASCAR, they race there twice a year on dirt. So they have like a, this huge array of schedule. Like you have dirt, you have street courses, road courses, ovals, like all this stuff going on. And it, it gives you a wide array of stuff to watch. And it's fantastic at the grassroots level that you can watch kind of whatever you want. No, and the Pinty series is another one of those series. It's like, you know, it's like Mazda Cup. And then to me, the pinnacle of it is Trans Am, which we'll get into. Of just these oh, series yeah. that kind of don't get all that much attention but they're they put on some of the best racing like for sure and it's like i wish i could follow them i just <laughs> i'm spread so thin in my interests across racing because i should, oh yeah it's it's should, hard it's everything it's very hard and the 50 series is like every time i ever watch it i'm just like why is this not getting more attention but i'm also guilty of it because i don't always watch it you know yeah but, and and that's fair and there's a lot of reasons for that uh it's it's a great product. It 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 honestly is. Pinty's is great. I enjoy every every race weekend I'm at. But it's it's chaotic. You never really know what's going to happen, which is part of why it's great. But also, the teams don't have that big budgets, right? Uh, like when they tear up a car, most teams, like the bigger teams in the series, they can tear up a car and race the next weekend. But some people who maybe have like a personal team or like a solo single car program if you tear up a car and the race is the next race is next weekend there's a chance they may not they may not make it right and it's just like the limited budgets kind of limit where where the series could go and track wise too we're pretty limited on where we could go but um we've had talent um tagliani he races full-time in pinties for the last couple of years alex LeBay, he came um, from Pinty's and now races uh, in the Xfinity, sometimes part, sometimes full-time. We have talent come through. I think right now, um, Trayton Lapsovich is kind of our shining star of the series. He's super young. He's won multiple times. I, I would look for him to be in the trucks probably within the next couple of years because he's fast and young and very talented. So. So when you see those guys make it big and like, you know, you know, Xfinity and stuff, are you automatically like rooting for them just because they're from Canada and that's, you know, kind of like a hometown hero in a way, even though it's uh, not more of a town? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I mean, I always like seeing Alex LeBay do well. He's really good on road courses. Like every road course they go to for qualifying, you usually see him up there uh, at least like top 15, top 10, which is always cool to see. 
Um, anytime there's a Canadian in the field, it's you always kind of root for them because it's nice to see kind of having some representation on like a global scale because NASCAR is a primarily American thing. Um, that's why it's awesome to see, you know, like Daniel Suarez in it, um, in the trucks and in the Xfinity, you have some other foreign drivers taking part, which is awesome. It's, it's just cool to see. And it, it grows the sport so much as well. No, that's awesome. So we'll go back and touch on the Trans Am series. So I think I mentioned that earlier, that's your main, you know, that's your main focus. And you've been, you did how many years have you been following it as like a photographer? Um, this is my second time, uh, second year. Gotcha. So how did you come across it? Because, you know, Trans Am, you know, we talked about it a bit, is not necessarily in like the golden spotlight in terms of racing. And it's like kind of in this weird bubble. It's not IMSA. It's not, it's not like sports mm-hmm. cars. It's not NASCAR. It's not yeah. open wheel. It's kind of in this weird. It really, it really is its own thing. And it's so unique and it's fantastic. And if you've never been to a Trans Am race, or if you some, for some odd reason, don't enjoy Trans Am, you're missing out because you are the, the racing that Trans Am puts on is almost unrivaled there. The cars are super fast. So TA2 is around like 500, 500 horsepower, 550 horsepower, somewhere there. Um, and then TA one is like way more. I think they're around like 800. Um, both put on great shows, but TA two is is really the the main show at, at most tracks. Um, I think last year at Coda, TA two had over 50 cars entered in in a field. You just don't see that size field and in, in anywhere else. And then they're all all the cars are fast, loud, and the top 20. I'm not going to say the rest don't have talent, but the top 20 are talented race car drivers. And um, it, it is put on a great show. You have, and you have such a wide array. So a lot of the, the Charlotte-based teams, they kind of use it as a like road course practice kind of series for NASCAR drivers. So you have like Grant Cruz, who is insanely young. I think he's 15 and he won two or three races last season. So crazy talent there. Um, Mo Sack, Connor Mosack, who's running Xfinity this year, he's running the series for a couple of years. Um, a lot of the Charlotte teams bring their NASCAR development drivers through to get road course practice, which is really cool because you're seeing the next generation of um, NASCAR talent kind of coming through there. I think like Ty Gibbs raced uh, a couple of races uh, for in TA2 the last couple of years. Um, you have Paul Menard in TA1, just like a it's cool to bring in other like people who made their name in other series and then the, they come and race in Trans Am. Yeah. And a couple other ones I can think of is um, Justin Marks. He does. Yeah. He's know, running full time this year. It was a Michael self will do stuff too. Yep. And the one that people kind of, you know, got shocked by from the SRX series was Ernie Francis. You know, like where did right. this guy come yeah. from? Like this guy is Trans Am royalty. Right, yeah, you know. he is a champion, and I just feel like it. Transam does not get the media attention it deserves because of you know the star power, and you know it's a step on the ladder for a lot of people. And you can't beat TA two car counts. Like there is what like, no, when, you when, can't. I was, when we were at Lime Rock last year, and if you don't know Lime Rock, that's kind of pretty much like the 
Bristol Motor Speedway of road courses. If you're to take like, yeah, a short tiny. track of road, well, it's awesome. A mile and a half. It's a mile and a half in length. It, it's, it's awesome. It's tiny. It's super narrow. It's like no runoff anywhere. And if you do, it's grass and tire barrier. Yeah. And also, I, just to go like, back really quickly, I yeah. don't want to be wrong. I think Ernie won a championship, but I'm not 100% sure. I think he did. I might be wrong. We'll have to fact check it later. Yeah, we'll, we'll fact check it right now while I talk here. But P- Lime Rock basically is the Bristol of there's no runoff. There's, you know, grass barrier. Um, mm. He's a 2020 champion. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. And I'm just glad I wasn't wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> no, you're good. So I, I, I've only ever shot one Trans Am race as like a credential photographer, and it was at Lime Rock. And mm-hmm. I started this first TA2 session of the week on the outside of turn one. And mm-hmm. here is, I think there's like what, 45 freaking cars? Yeah, I think Lime Rock was a really high car count um, last year, which is I crazy because coming like the start shot was wild because yeah. you had like, 20 cars still coming around the last quarter when the front two took the green. It was, it's wild, but that happens at Coda too. Cause we have like 50 over 50 cars. I think this year was like 55 cars and it's wild. The, like the, the people, the front cars are taking the green and you still have people snaking around the back couple corners. Cause it's just so many cars. And those cars are so photogenic too, because Right. I think the, the biggest key to them being photogenic besides just look cool is flames coming out of the tailpipes. Like yeah. you can, what's the word I'm looking for? Plan on it. Like you can be like, all right, yeah. this is going to happen. It will happen. And it never fails to look awesome. But then sometimes it just doesn't make any sense that there's no flames. Like someone will come around, they'll, they'll let off and shift. And the whole corner, they coast, and there's just, just one constant fireball. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be a six shot. I'm going to get that next lap. And then no fireball. Guy. I'm like, how does that make any sense? Like, where does where's the um, consistency here? But, yeah, though they, they look great. Um, I'd say the only angle they sometimes don't look amazing is always wrap dependent, but from the back. Because sometimes there's a couple, there's a couple, I would say more than a couple cars that, that don't really do full wraps. So it's just like white plastic body panels. And sometimes that's not the best, but even if just throwing some, some stripes on there or a couple badges helps a lot. And they, they always look good really, especially from the front. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just that default, just sitting around like modern day muscle cars are just, they're awesome. And then they, they sound Oh, they amazing. sound amazing. Oh, yeah. You I can hear them coming from a mile away. They're so loud. Actually, I like the TA cars better. Like, they... Yeah. The, That's my fair, favorite though. sounding race car in the world is a Trans Am TA car. Right. And the TA series is, is like, a whole other game on its in itself because they all have different chassis manufacturers. So, in, in TA2, you have, uh, I believe, three options. You have Cope, How, or SLR. But in TA, they all kind of run their own thing, which is really cool. So, like, a um, couple of them have, like, the Riley chassis. Um, I know, like, Teresi, I think he does his own thing, his own chassis. And I'm not sure what the other cars run. But um, Chris Dyson's car, I think, though, some of the Dyson racing cars, they just sound so good. Whatever motor they use is just 
it, they all all the TI car, cars sound amazing, but the Dyson racing cars just sound oh my, just just so nice. You it, it's something you just because like I'm not a car guy. I made a tweet about this, and I I was surprised at like how many other people like that work in motorsports aren't car guys because I always feel like weirded out especially when i go to like grassroots stuff and then you know after you know on track stuff is done i go talk to people and as soon as they start talking about like car specs and stuff i'm just like you're like i'm out yeah yeah that's cool uh-huh uh-huh but like there is nothing that is more fascinating to me in terms of like car specs or anything to do with, like cars themselves and the freaking sound of those cars they're unreal yeah. real it is but... they it is really cool they almost don't really sound like you can't really compare them to anything. Like I, I love Im's like honestly the cars I would compare them to the most, which is kind of weird, would be the RSRs from a while ago, like a couple years ago, I think four or five years ago. I, I saw IMSA race at that was actually one of the first uh, big races I ever shot. I think I was like sixteen or fifteen. I shot IMSA at uh Mossport, my local my biggest local track. And um that the RSRs just sounded unreal, like better than anything else in the field by a mile. I mean, they don't sound as good anymore, but I honestly, that's probably what I would say is my next closest modern race car. That sounds kind of like a TA one car. I missed the Ford GT in IMSA. That was a good sounding. Car. Yeah. Yeah. They, they sounded good. They were really nice too. They shot really well. Side panning, oh the GT. Gosh. Oh, it was good stuff. They were one of my favorite cars to shoot. Like oh, for sure. There wasn't a bad angle. Like they looked cool no, from behind. The, from the back side. was super nice. It was awesome. But so did so you I shoot had... them at the Glen? Uh, Lime or Rock. at Lime Rock? Lime Rock, yeah. That, that was well before I even considered this as like something I could actually do. It was just like a yeah, show fan, which is yeah, like Lime Rock's basically my living room. Like that's that's my yeah, track. exactly. That's my, that's, yeah, that's my playground site. I mean. I would go over there just to shoot random track days if I was around yeah. and had the time because that's just like, yeah. you know, that was there. But Lime Rock think... is super cool too, especially the uphill is such a unique feature at a racetrack. And it's just so iconic too. I don't think anyone really involved with racing that either doesn't know what the uphill is or hasn't seen a photo would be just, there's no people like that, right? And it's photogenic as crap too, because yeah, it's in transit weekend. Cars will go up that hill, some of them, and they will get two tires off the ground, and some of them will even get four oh, tires yeah. off the ground, completely I, ramping up. I have a photo of I want to say it's Darren Mock last year, and he's just like like that coming up the uphill. It's it's wild. I know I'm a uh, Thomas Merrill. He always goes up there at like. Yeah, he goes at full bore. It's it's awesome. And then shooting that turn, you go to the outside of it, kind of up at the top. And I'm from here, five feet away. You know, five, mm -hmm. six, seven feet away from the car, and it's just doing a like freaking three thousand pound car is just doing a wheelie right by you, and it's just like yeah, you're like wow. this could go so wrong, which is it's wild to think about because, I mean, I've shot at a lot of tracks. I know you've shot at a lot of tracks. The state it's crazy how the safety precautions aren't like kind of standard. Do you know what I mean? Like some tracks you go and they're like, Oh yeah, go in front of the fence, go in front of the armco, stand wherever you want. And then some tracks it's like, no, you can't do this 
which is really you can do this anywhere else. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of wild, and it's also differs like worker to worker, which is kind of interesting because, like, I had this happen at me to me at Sebring last year. One of the corner workers was like, "See that spot right there is great. You can go stand there. It's like, but like on the other side of um." So at Sebring, there's like two pit lanes. It's like the front one with all the garages. And then there's the back one, which I'm not sure if it's like the pit entrance. Right. And um, so he was like, oh, go stand there. So it's on the other side, kind of in like the median. And then I came, I shot there. It was a great shot. I came back. Um, same guy there. And he was like, what are you doing? You can't shoot there. I was like, you told me. <laughs> like five laps ago that I could shoot here. I'm just super confused, like how this works, but it's just stuff you have to put up with sometimes. Oh, it's, it's tough, man. That any, anybody will tell you that track security is the most gaslighting group of people in a way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, you treat them with respect. They're just trying to do their job and, and you know, there's not really, there's no room in treating people. There's no room for treating people with, with disrespect especially at a racetrack. I think everyone's there just trying to do their job and, and like, especially them, you just got to kind of move on. And if you have an issue, be respectful and then go to the proper, you know, proper outlet to talk about it and see how you can resolve the, the issue. Right. Yeah. Cause a hundred percent, because most of the times that happens, they're simply just looking out for your safety because what we do is very dangerous and could go wrong very for sure. quickly. For sure. So, for I mean, sure. Sometimes, yeah, like some of the stuff, most like, but, but, but why the system? Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. people just looking out for you. Yeah. And that's just, I guess, standards for safety differ. Cause, you know, for example, yeah. I go shoot motorcycle racing at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. You can literally stand on the track in some parts. Like, yeah, that's the wild. While they're racing. When you got like, I forget <laughs> what track. I never go in front of Armco because that's just like, not a thing that i want to do and like i know there's there's spots like where the two walls intersect so like if you walk in front of this one you're not on the track because there's the other fence but it's still it just it doesn't really do it for me it's kind of scary to be honest and even at um like sonoma there's so you know i don't know the turn numbers because they always confuse me but that big uh was that carousel at Sonoma the last turn and they have all that that signage right like Toyota Pennzoil all that the big billboard gotcha yeah it's not the carousel but I know what you're talking about yeah okay just just so we don't confuse people yeah well I can't remember what they call it but and so turn before going into the hairpin yes yeah okay yes that um there's on the back side there's like these gates so they got like the media lock on it you put the code in you open it this gates open and you like duck into it come out on the other side of the billboards between the arm cone, the billboards. And that's how you shoot though, that kind of sequence of corners. But it's like, if something were to go wrong, my escape is not easy, especially like with, with a 400 on a monopod, like I'm not just, you know, throwing my 7,200 around my hip and, and booking it out of there. Right. It's, which it's fine. Like I never felt not safe shooting those corners, but it was just something that you have to think about every time you put yourself in a shooting situation where your escape is and, and where you you do feel safe. No, it, that's, that's a very, very important thing. And that's something that 
if it's not in a safety meeting, you know, most people cover it, but it should be is you need to have an escape because, you know, you see, you see at any time, like the development of safety or, you know, for example, like take NASCAR and where safer barriers are placed. Yeah. You know, when they, before they're everywhere, cars would find places to hit where there wasn't a safer barrier. And it still oh, happens. Yeah. It still, oh, happens, it still right? happens, which is crazy. Yeah. Which is like, well, we never thought you'd hit there. The same yeah. thing goes for where you're shooting. Like, yeah. Well, I'm fine because nobody's ever hit here. Well, it changes all the time. It's within what what I find funny too <clears throat> sometimes is that like everywhere you go, they're like, don't shoot through the Armco. Don't shoot through the Armco. Because everyone wants the Armco shot, even though it's super basic now. But everybody wants it. Everyone's got to get it. It's cool at a point. <laughs> yeah, it is cool at a point. But then the track will use Armco photos in like their marketing. Yeah. But then you go to the track and they're like, no, you're not allowed to shoot through the Yarmco. So I think that's funny because because they realize that if if it's done right and in the right spot, it's pretty sweet. No, it is, and that's something that any safety meeting at Watkins Glen, there's like, don't shoot through the Yarmco. Don't shoot. nobody yeah. listens to it. Everybody shoots. But you're like the that's the divide. That's like the defining shot of the Glen is like the Armco shots because everywhere you go, you see all the hymns of photographers, all the uh, SRO photographers. Everyone's got the shot through the Yarmco, and like. They're so adamant about it at the Glen, but I don't know. No, I don't think anybody really listens. No, and that's with with, with Trans Am. You don't, um, like you said, I, I shoot a lot of Trans Am, and you don't really have time. Sometimes you don't have time to get the Armco shot because the sessions are like sometimes as short as like twenty minutes. So you like you gotta you gotta make the sausage, do some pans, and then your your session's probably over, and that's. That's considering if it goes green the whole time. Yeah, you know, well, black flags. Cars, it's bound black flags. Eat, oh, it's it's wild. Sometimes, like the front forty will come through, and then you'll see double double yellows. And I'll be like, they're not even all on track yet. Like, how do we how do we have this already? So there's with like these series that you shoot that aren't like necessarily mainstream. The photography market, especially that, has got to be really tough. How do you how do you break into that? Yeah, so I, I shoot a lot in Canada and, and kind of the biggest thing that you face in shooting Canadian motorsports is budget because teams will spend a lot of money to get their team to where they want it to be. So you got to get cars, you got to get equipment, truck, trailer, all that stuff. And the really the whole thing is selling the team or the driver on the value that your work provides. So, and the biggest thing that I would say to try to not do that is undercut because that's something that this whole industry is facing like crazy right now. Um, I got, I mean, it happens all the time, but you get undercut by people who like volunteer their time. And there's just no way you can compete with that. When you give, when you give a quote for what it should actually cost to do the job, and then someone's like, well, I'll do it for free. You can't compete with free, right? And, but aside from that, that was kind of a side tangent. But how do you need to sell yourself to the team and show them the value or the driver, the value that your work provides? So if you take the photos you took for a weekend on for a team or for a driver, and you can actually show them how they did on your Instagram or how they did on their Instagram or social media or marketing or, or whatever it may be, 
then you have something to build off of. You have something to show them. This is what my work provided for you. I mean, that's some people have crazy budgets where it doesn't even matter. And they're just, they just want photos and they're just going to pay you for them because that's how it works. But sometimes you have to work at getting a client because, you know, whether it's, you know, a thousand dollars a weekend or $200 a weekend, people, that's still money that they have to spend that they could spend on something else. That's the thing about race teams. There's always something to buy. So you need to, you need to prove to them that there's value in your work and value in media. So then you can kind of grow a relationship with the client and have them want you to come back and shoot instead of it being a one and done kind of deal. So you mentioned like Instagram and stuff. Like we live in this weird age where, you know, for example, if you wanted to get with some team or whatnot, you don't necessarily have to go up and talk to them. Right. Social media. Right. And that's crazy. So weird. It's, It's a crazy thing that you can just be like, tag somebody like i know people that have tagged people they like you know and they're just they go to a race shoot as a fan tag people in their work yeah. and they're like hey we like that you want to come you know shoot for us or whatever you shoot for us it's what i yeah it's weird it's wild and i'm not gonna lie i pick up clients on instagram for these canadian races all the time because just check the entry list go on instagram see what their media is like if you see that there's a need there then you have an in what I find to be most effective, honestly, is sending a message, having a conversation. And if you can't, like if they don't commit on Instagram or like if you don't come up to agreement on Instagram, you go and introduce yourself, track, become, you form a relationship, you become a friendship. And then you, it's just, you're just that much more likely to get the work. And r- really, it's just confidence. If you're confident in yourself and you, you set your price and you know everyone's negotiable whatever but don't just be like hey here's my price and they're like oh we can't afford that and then just take 500 bucks off it like that's not that's not how you succeed long term in the industry that's how you succeed short term because if you set your price at you know 400 500 bucks a weekend then they're never going to want to pay you more than that but eventually you're going to realize it's really hard to make a living off of that depending on how many clients you have. Right. So it's, it's an interesting world. And I think there's so much that goes into it, but I would say the most important thing is being personable and being able to network and just being kind of confident in yourself. I think all three of those things really go hand in hand, but networking is so key and having conversations and building relationships with people without being like, Hey, do you need a photographer? Hey, do you want me to work for you? And just actually building a relationship with someone outside of trying to find work is incredible and invaluable because one, it's a great relationship. You get to meet people, you make friends, and then potentially if they need something, they'll come to you, which is just like a bonus of creating relationships at the track. And all that, all that is such great advice. Cause you always hear, you ask any like motorsports, desire, how do I get into this? Well, it's all about, you know, obviously build a portfolio and networking, yeah. networking, networking, but you explain that perfectly because, you know, people hear networking, like, what does that mean? Talk to people. Well, no kidding. I need to talk to people. Like, how do you do that? Because, right. you know, if you're just starting or even if you're like well along your way, like for like me, it's like, 
I can't approach that guy at the track. Look, he's like, you know, he's such yeah. a big higher up and stuff. It's scary. It, it's, it's oh, hard. for sure. And that's why I say take the less business approach because let's like, I I like um I like getting new clients. Nobody doesn't like that. I'm not gonna deny that. But what I actually like enjoy more sometimes is just meeting people and becoming friends because having friends at the track is so much fun. You know, you get to the track, you guys go out to dinner, blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't have to be just, you don't always have to have this business thing, you know, being the reason you introduce yourself, just meet people. And then no matter who, like, as long as you know, somebody just knowing people is really the, the battle, because if somebody says, let's say you meet somebody, somebody says to that person, I need some photos for this weekend. And you're friends with that person. Now they might suggest you, they, and like, so the business kind of comes after sometimes. Um, obviously you have to, you know, network the normal way sometimes and just walk around and, and meet people and be like, if you never need photo work, here's my business card, blah, blah, blah. But you know, sometimes it's not that way. There's always these unconventional ways of, of kind of breaking into the industry and everyone does it a different way. I just think instead of being, you know, kind of very businessy about it and, and, you know, undercutting people, then if you just kind of approach it like a nice person then sometimes stuff goes your way no and that, that's it's so important to have like almost like i guess lack of a better term allies to have you know if you're for sure you're in these guys week in and week out it's a tight-knit group of people and word gets around fast if you're doing good work for one person and you know and but everybody else knows who you are i'm like oh hey i know that guy you know i respect yeah, that guy exactly you know, I yeah i want him to work for me Exactly. And yeah, it's, that's kind of, that's really why people do it. Right. I, I do it because I love, I love racing and I love getting to combine my passion for photography and for racing into one thing. And I, I'm super lucky that I have that opportunity. And so I, I, every time I consider it a privilege, every time I get to go to a track and shoot. So instead of, you know, getting a bad reputation as like just the person who's just money hungry and there to make money, I try to make it like a full experience and like, because I enjoy there, whether I'm shooting or a fan or whatever, I enjoy being at the track. And I think if people see that kind of passion within you, then the risk will kind of come with time, adding the networking, adding the photography, adding the skills, then it all kind of comes together and usually works out. And it, and it definitely shows too. It's, it's, it shows very easily whether you're passionate about it or not very quickly and, you know sure. any of the photographers that i know that are like you have met they're like bigger you know they're very successful in the industry it's like yeah no the passion came first before the business oh yeah and, you know i think that's probably a big key to succeeding in this is you got to be passionate about it because there are days that suck there are days that are oh, hard yeah. but at the end of the day like we said earlier i'd rather do that than an office job like 100 i'd rather I'd rather walk from the media center at Watkins Glen at the bus stop six times over of all my camera gear when it's 95 yep. degrees out and the heat index is, you know, a million degrees yep. before, you know, typing up some paper that I have no interest in. For sure. And it's not all, it's not all glamorous. I don't think anybody pretends for it to be glamorous. A lot of people think it is, but it's not like the days when you're at, you're in a cheap hotel eating chilies for dinner. It's a little rough sometimes, but at the end of the day, you get to work at a racetrack with race cars, taking photos. Like, how, I don't really know how that can be a bad thing. 
And I can see how some people maybe do have worse days than others. I'm, I'm 20. I'm a student. I don't have a family. I don't have to, you know, pay for all these things that like real adults have to. So I understand that that adds another level of stress and being gone from your families and all that stuff. I, I understand that. But for where I am right now, I, I'm so happy just to be at a track. It doesn't even really matter for me. No, it's so, and I was talking about this with, um, forget who I had in the podcast. There was another photographer and we were talking about just like how important it is to, I think it was with Wayne. He's a photographer for SRX. And we were talking about how important it is. Oh, to, Wayne Regal. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I love Wayne. Wayne's awesome. I've never met him, but he seems like a nice guy. Oh, he's so awesome. I love him. But, you know, like you and I, we live most of our, you know, time at these racetracks through a viewfinder and then at a screen editing. And we never like, you know, it's not never but like it's important to just like sit back and reflect on like, dude, this is really cool. You yeah. Know? exactly fans deep down we're all once you know still fans but we all started as fans and just like wow man that's pretty wild exactly chilling here and i probably yeah it's crazy i probably have those moments like maybe like five times a year but sometimes more than that too because like this past weekend at sebring richard petty was the grand marshal and so i was just like i didn't even know i was just walking to the paddock and i was like Oh my gosh, that's Richard Petty. Like that's, that's wild stuff. Right. And I was, I mean, road America last year, I was there for the NASCAR race and on the Trans Am weekend. And, uh, at night we went to the, um, Plymouth dirt track for the road America, July 4th, dirt, uh, sprint car night. And I was having the most fun. I just was just sitting back, relaxing, watching some dirt racing. It was, it was awesome. And that's the kind of stuff that really makes you appreciate, you know, the opportunities that people get and, and being able to shoot racing. It's just such a privilege and people, like, I'm very lucky that I get to do that, you know? No, it's, it's very fortunate. Like one of, one of the coolest moments for me is I shot um, SRX at Stafford last summer. Yeah, that's cool. They have a practice at like noon during the day. So they wheel all the cars out and it's not open to the public. There's nobody really at the racetrack yet. So they wheel the cars out and all the drivers kind of start making their way to the infield by pit road. And there was probably not even 50 of us in the infield. Yeah. But you know, a dozen of them are the drivers. Like I'm sitting mm-hmm. around here and like, let's see, Bobby Labani is just chilling over there. You know, yeah. Tony starts right behind me. Yeah. Who else is there? You know, Paul Tracy's just sitting. And you know, there's Haley Deegan. I'm just like, I'm surrounded by these childhood heroes of mine like right. that is the coolest freaking thing in the world right. and i think a lot of people they like to say oh they're just people don't treat them any different which is super valid but it's okay it's okay to fanboy sometimes or fangirl whatever it's okay it's okay to have that moment it's not okay to be unprofessional and or unprofessional and and be like ask for an autograph or whatever like that's not okay but it's okay to be like hey this is cool that person's cool and I get to hang out with them. That's cool. Yeah, right. Don't, don't act on it. But... Exactly. Don't act on it, but it's okay to have that feeling, you know? No. Cause like I, I, another person I had in the podcast, the other day, Justin Potter is a photographer for storehouse racing. And he was talking about yeah. like, 
Yeah. His work's unreal. Dude, I love love his work. But he was talking about, like, yeah, I mean, I've been around Tony Stewart plenty now, but there's, like, he's, like, every time I see him, it's still, like, a little weird because it's, like, that's Tony Stewart. And he's, like, I never want to lose that. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to never lose that because then it just becomes a job. Then it just becomes yeah, and then it just becomes a thing that you do, right? Exactly. But so you got some upcoming events. So what's Um, your plans for twenty twenty three? You got some exciting things going on. Yeah, I've got um got some Pinty stuff. Like we got, uh, I think it's twelve race season for Pinty. So I think maybe a couple more than that actually. So the Toronto Indy race that'll be cool. Um, GP three R that'll be cool. I might go out to the East Coast for the um, they, they race in, um, Newfoundland, I think it is, um, which will be cool. I've never been out there, so maybe I'll make the journey out there. Um, and then I'm doing a couple of U S trips, which I'm really excited for to always get the chance to go down and kind of just experience U S racing. Um, I'm going to NOLA, um, what other NOLA VIR Coda. The Glen is super close. So I usually go to the Glen a lot. Um, I think, gateway this year which i've never been to so that'll be cool what's that? um trans am they're going to gateway they're going to gateway yeah they're running the roval at gateway why i'm sorry that roval's horrible. I, not <laughs> That's my, just my opinion. not my decision i don't make the schedule but uh <laughs> fair comment yeah that um anyways <laughs> yeah i'll see you at lime rock Yes, sir. Um, maybe the road Glen, Atlanta. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe where? Maybe the Glen as well. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be sick. You should definitely. I mean, you always go to the Glen. Why wouldn't you come to the Glen? You were there last year, right? I was there for like one day last year. It was a last minute trip with my girlfriend. Cause I, yeah, true. Know. Oh, yeah. I remember I saw you on Pit Lane. Yeah. And then we, we right? ended up. Yeah. So we went out for like a day trip. We went to the state park and then we ended up seeing Elton John last minute in Syracuse on the way home. It was really oh, that's like rad. Awesome that's day. <laughs> so from Albany, how far? Because you're from Albany, right? Um, from just south of there, yeah. Okay. Um, walking so it's about three and a half hours. Oh, okay. That's that's just a little bit more than it is for me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah, worth every yeah. minute of it. Oh, it's sure. so beautiful. <clears throat> it's so nice. I want to go to state park this year. I didn't have time last year, but. Oh, dude! If I go, we'll we'll, we'll go to club. Uh, I'll take you. It's yeah, cool. sounds good. It looks it looks beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. Anyways, what other plans for this year? Yeah, that's um, yeah, doing some of the Trans Am stuff, which I'm excited about. It's always nice to get to go down and experience some U.S. racing. Um, but like I said, I do a lot of Canadian stuff. So yeah, Pinty stuff. There's, I mean, IMSA comes to Mossport, which I don't think I'm actually going to be here for, unfortunately um toronto indycar which will be cool some of the pinty stuff and um fel does a full kind of sports car series so they have a radical series and they have um, a gt4 and tcr series so I, i'll shoot that a little bit um yeah honestly that's that's kind of my plan it's busy it's very busy um but it'll be good it'll be a, a good summer and actually i just got some new gear too which i'm super excited about I got the R3, which um, I tried it out at Sebring last weekend, and it it's it's unreal actually. It's it's cheating, and everybody told me that it was cheating, and I I kind of obviously I, I obviously I believe them, 
but I didn't know how much of a step up it was going to be from like, I, I was just on the EOS R. So the first Canon mirrorless, mm. which is not a great camera. It's a good camera, but it's not fantastic. It has a lot of shortcomings. So moving up from the R to the R3 was just mind blown. I bet, man. That's a wild yeah. camera. So... Yeah. So I'm happy to get to use that. Um, definitely a privilege. So should be a good year. So where can people find all your work and along the journey? Like, where can we find this? Instagram, uh, well, social media, whatever. Yeah, I, I run an Instagram. Uh, it's kind of a funny name. So backstory on my name, my last name Shanlin. And uh, so growing up from Canada, so all you Americans will probably be thinking it's a hockey stereotype. And my nickname does come from hockey. Um, everybody called me Shanny. That was kind of my nickname. So when I was you know, 15 or whatever. And I started taking photos and started an Instagram page and I just called it Shanny shoots because, you know, I was shooting photos, my nickname Shanny, it kind of rhymed. It's different. So that's my Instagram Shanny shoots. That's S H A N N Y underscore shoots. All right. Anywhere else to find you Twitter or anything or. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's the same handle. Um, I post some stuff. I mostly just retweet stuff and kind of interact with people because it's, kind of a fun place. I actually use Twitter, honestly, for a lot of my racing news because something will happen and Twitter will have it first. Or like if you're watching a race oh. live, Bob, pa Bob Pockers is on it like that. Yeah, so, so no, it's just, it's, it's easy to get it from there. Twitter is my favorite um, racing news source for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Stay tuned for a YouTube. I'm thinking about maybe starting that, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. I was thinking about that too. So we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that definitely, but seems like a lot of work and potentially not pay off. So we'll see. It's an experiment, but alrighty guys, uh, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time after we had to cancel like three times. <laughs> nah, no problem. Happen. Thanks for having me, Sam. It was a pleasure. Yes. I'll see you at Lime Rock. Jack yep, Shanley on Lime the Rock. Sam Dre show.